Hi, my name is Rosella from Providence Baptist College. Please enjoy the following Maverick message. Assuredly glad. Father, I pray that you'll give, <coughs> give my voice some strength, and I pray that you'll keep me from coughing, being, an, uh, ob, being, being obstinate this morning. And I thank you for working in the hearts of people these last several days here at the conference. Your will is extremely important, and there's nothing like being confident that we're living right in the middle of God's will for our life. So give me grace today. Help us to listen carefully in Jesus' name, and amen. There is no peace like the peace of living smack dab in the middle of God's perfect will for your life. No peace like that. And not just living there, but assuredly gathering that that's where you're living. Living with confidence, living with the knowledge that what I am doing is exactly what God has called me to do. I don't believe I could do anything else right now right now in life other than be the pastor of Faith Baptist Church. Now, I could come up here and teach at Providence as an extension of that ministry, but you know, my, my main calling is the membership of Faith Baptist Church in Bourbon, Illinois. I'm confident of that for many, many reasons. And therefore, I'm able to live fully at peace in the middle of God's will. And that's what Luke talked about in this passage. He talked about the fact that they assuredly, were, as they were getting ready to go to Macedonia, they assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. This was not some whim. This was not something that they just decided, you know, a notion. Uh, you know, Brother Vineyard was one of my heroes. He came for 13 years in a row to preach in our church. Really, God used him to kick off the Faith Promise Giving Missions Ministry there. Brother Vineyard believed in volunteering. That's what he believed in. He said it was okay to volunteer. He was a former Green Beret and had volunteered for that part of uh, service to our, uh, to in America's military. But, you know, as much as I learned from him and appreciate all that he taught me, I still believe that there is a call of God. And I believe that it's, it's best to know that you are doing exactly what God called you to do. So before they left to go to Macedonia, Paul and his party they're confident, they're certain that they were in the will as they moved ahead. They were not moving ahead of their own accord. They were not moving ahead of their own initiative. They were moving ahead in the will of God. Now, you just came out of a missions conference. This is why I had this message on my mind. Just came out of a missions conference. And when there's missions conferences, of course, people are, the Holy Spirit moves on the heart of people to pray for your missionaries. I'm sure that was I'm sure that was asked for over and over again the last four days. Pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. And that's biblical. That was one of Paul's prayers. So God, the Holy Spirit moves on the hearts of people to pray. He moves on the hearts of people to give. That's one of the reasons you have a missions conference. You know, the missionaries that are coming through aren't coming through just to, you know, uh, spend time somewhere. They're there for support. They're there to report to a supporting church or to get support. And so God moves on the heart of his people to give. But then God also, in a missions conference, can move on the heart of his people to go. To go. 
Now, I recently read a letter, <laughs> read a letter that Don Sisk wrote. We have supported Don Sisk. The church supported Don Sisk before I came there. <laughs> we have been continuing that support now for these 30 to over 32 years. And so I get his missionary letters still. I believe he's 90 now, 89 years of age. And uh, his last letter that I read, maybe I mentioned this to you, he talked about the fact that last fall, 2022, he had preached just about every week in a missions conference somewhere at age 89. He had preached in a missions conference just about every week last fall. This is what he said. He said, I've never seen a time <laughs> where there's been more money given for the cause of missions and never been a time when fewer people are going. That, that Boy, that, that hurt. That hurt. More money coming in than ever. I know we had our best year ever. My financially missions giving last year. Best year ever. And uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens this year. But that's repeated in a lot of churches. But fewer people going. And I wouldn't stand up here and bend or twist your arm to go to answer that call if God spoke to you. Or maybe you're, maybe you're pondering that. Maybe over the last four days there was a, a tweaking in your heart by the Spirit of God. You began to wonder, Lord, is this your will for my life? Maybe it's not even to do with missions. Maybe, it's, maybe this is something that you can use when you uh, come to the end of your time here at Providence and you're pondering, what do I do? Do I, do I become an assistant pastor? Do you want me to start a church? Lord, to take a church, what's your will for my life? Christian education, what's your will for my life? Whatever it is, whatever it is, you want to do it. And you don't want to do anything less. And you want to do it having assuredly gathered that the Lord has called you to do it. Does that make sense? All right, let me give you four words. I'll give them to you out of this passage. They're not Bible words here, but I want to show you the, the principle found connected with the word. The first word I want to give you is currently. And what do I mean by currently? Well, when you look at this group of preachers right here, Paul, they were currently in God's will. In other words, they were already doing God's will. God's will started back in chapter 15 at the end of the, at the, end of the chapter when he got ready to send Paul out on this second missionary journey. So they're already doing God's will. And as they go through the will of God here on this missionary journey, they are doing this and not doing that, going here and not going there. You saw that in the text where they wanted to go into Bithynia, verse number 7, but the Spirit suffered them not. So they're, they're doing this, they're doing that, don't do that, don't do this. What am I saying? They were living currently in the will of God. Now, young person, the most important thing for you to consider as you start to pray about the will of God for your life, whether it's missions or whatever, is that you are currently living in God's will. You're currently doing God's will. You know, you might have heard it said, it's impossible to discern, to discern God's will for the future if you're not already doing God's will in the present. Doing God's will in the present. Uh, today, you can be in God's perfect will. Tomorrow you live in God's perfect will. And next week you live in God's perfect will. And if you will live every day doing God's will for your life, you'll stand a better chance of being there 
tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and throughout your future. And there are several generalities about God's will that apply to every child of God. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, to get saved, be baptized and a member of a church, and I would assume all of you are that. And beyond that, reading your Bible. Reading your, can I tell you that you don't need to be really overly concerned about God's will for three years from now if you're not reading your Bible today? How about reading your, how about a little prayer time? And I know, I know who I'm preaching to. I, I know, full well remember my years of Bible college, busy with all this reading, and you squeeze in as much Bible as you possibly can. I get that. And if you'll do that when you get out of college, you'll have time to read a lot more. And you will because you're disciplined to do it. Okay? Reading your Bible, praying, honoring God through your giving, as Brother Hall just said, does God want you to do something in the way of missions giving, either back at your home church or helping out the ministry here at Northwest while you're here? What does God want you to do in that? Uh, witnessing, being a good testimony, being <coughs> in a good relationship with your authorities, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, loving God, living clean. You don't have to be real concerned about the will of God for the future if you've got, go, you got something going on under the table right now. I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the will of God that's generic to every individual. To every, it's the general will of God for every individual. When you and I fail to do those things that make up the generic or general will of God for our lives, we make it more difficult to know God's will about the future. Listen, the Siamese twin of knowing is doing. And that's biblical because Jesus said, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. It's almost nigh to impossible to know God's will if you're not doing God's will. So the question to ask yourself, maybe the Spirit of God came during missions conference, a presentation or a message by one of the missionaries here at chapel or through Brother Smith, and the Spirit of God tweaked your heart. And you're living with that now, trying to sort through it. And you know, it is easy to sit and watch presentation after presentation after presentation after presentation of all those needy people and not feel some burden to go. But you can't go on a burden. You have to go on a call. Assuredly gathering that the Lord burdened us to go preach the gospel. No, He's called us to go preach the gospel unto them. So there's that word currently. They were currently in God's will. The second word. I want to <coughs> uh, pardon, pardon me. I'm just going to be there. The second word is the word crossword, crossroads. <laughs> crossroads. They came to a crossroads in God's will. Now, I pointed that out in chapter 16, verse number 7. They were come to Mysia. They essayed to go into Bithynia. I want to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. What do you got, brother? I've already got one in my mouth right now. I don't know if one on the other side will do me any better or not. But <laughs> if I get too many marbles in my mouth, I'll be... <laughs> trying, to, trying to preach through Mark. It's just the way it is. I'm going to get through it, so I know it's not pleasant, but Brother Harrison pinch hit for me last week. If I, if I had known I was going to be worse this Thursday than last Thursday, I'd have preached last Thursday, but you got to earn your paycheck somehow up here. Amen? So <laughs> here we go. 
So, now here are these traveling companions going along with Paul. They wanted to go one way. But the Spirit of God said no. And if you look at this on a map, they're heading in a westward direction, and Paul wants to turn back northeast and go through Asia. And the Spirit of God says no. You keep going in the direction that you're going. And then eventually comes with the vision to come into Macedonia. After, <coughs> when it comes to doing God's will, you're going to realize that you're going to come to a crossroads between what you want and what God wants. Between what you want and what God wants. That's a critical spot. And there are times when exercising what we want over what God wants can be easily corrected, if you let me say it that way. In other words, we can exercise our will over God's will and then get out there and find, oh man. And the consequences may be minimal. The fallout may not be too difficult, but hear me. At other times, to exercise our will over God's will could be extremely costly. Extremely costly. You ever read the story of Jonah? Go to Nineveh and preach. I don't want to go there. I don't love those people. I don't like those people. They're Jew haters. I'm not about to go over there. And Jonah chose to go out of the will of God, and it cost him dearly. You will need to be careful when you come to different crossroads, or what, even in God's will, that it's not what you want, it's what God wants. Amen. I remember, and I might have told you before, when I was, you know, getting ready to leave, or I, God began, I was seven years at Marion Avenue, we had four kids, we had a house, it wasn't big, it was a small house, but it was a nice house, decent house, four kids, Joyce's dad and mom lived 17 miles away, never interfered with our life, it was a joy to have in-laws that close, grandparents that close, and I was having the time of my life, Brother Hall, you were there for four of those years, and in that seventh year is when I got a phone call from a church up in Michigan, from a man, head of a pulpit committee, said, your name has been given to us, would you consider coming to candidate for pastor here, blew me out of the water, blew me out of the water, because I'd never even considered it. And I didn't go there because it wasn't God's will, but God used that to begin to stir my heart about pastoring. And when it became evident that that's what God wanted me to do, I surrendered to do that. I wanted to go west, stay west of the Mississippi. I wanted to go to a small rural area. I wanted to go to a church where there had not been any problems. Find one of those. And I was even willing to start a church if it was west of the Mississippi in a rural area. And did, you know, and I just started. And I lived through misery for about a year and a half. Through misery. Now this, this opening didn't work out. This opening didn't work out. This opening didn't work out. This opening didn't. And finally, I came to the realization I wasn't surrendered. I put stipulations on it. I had gotten a call from, no, Dave Smith from the camp had called me in August of 1989 and said, hey, I've given your name 
to a church over in Bourbonnet, Faith Baptist Church, Bourbonnet, Illinois. And he told me about it. I said, quote, Dave, I wouldn't go within a thousand miles of that place. That's what I said. When he told me about the problems the church was having, wouldn't go a thousand miles of that place. And I did they never nobody ever called and I, I never went there for anything. And finally in April of nineteen ninety, after searching my heart and realizing I was in a battle between what I wanted and what God wanted. And I drove to the Washington Cemetery, right south of town. Brother Brown didn't live too far from there, actually. I think Joe Brown still lives there now. Went to the cemetery, and I got out of my car on an April morning, and I began to walk around that cemetery, and I began to pray, Lord, this is a place where they bring people who are dead, and I'm here to die. I've made your will contingent upon this and this and this and this, all based on what I want. I spent about an hour there. Got in the car, drove to the church. If you've ever been there, walked up that big case, of, big staircase up to the main level there. When I walked up there, Mary Bender was coming out of her office with a quarter sheet of paper, a telephone message. She said, Brother Terry, a guy named Joe Griffin from Bourbonnet, Illinois, wants you to call him. And the rest is history. I had to die to what I wanted. And if you're going to be in God's will, that place where you assuredly gather, I am doing exactly what God wants me to do. And the peace that comes with that. You're going to come to those crossroads where you're going to have to continually submit yourself to his will. Does that make sense to you? The crossroads where you have to submit yourself to his will. Number three is the word communicate. So here they are. They're at this crossroads, okay? In verse number nine, the Bible says, when they were at this, they, 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 the Spirit suffered them not, so they obeyed, not even knowing for sure what, where they were going. And in verse number nine, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. What happened? God communicated his will to them through his word. Now, this was in the day when the word of God was not yet complete. It was still being given from heaven to earth. And God communicated his word through visions and sometimes dreams. And many people in the Bible uh, had visions where God communicated his will, his word to them. And those visions were, were, were equivalent to God's word, revealed God's word to, him, to them. Now, we don't have visions today like that. We don't have dreams like that today. But we do have a completed canon of Scripture. And we have a book here that God will use to speak to your heart to communicate His will for your life. Communicate His will for your life. And then when you read God's Word, I love Psalm 119, 105. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light. So aren't those the same thing? No, they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. A lamp for my feet, a light for my path. A lamp, you know, I have a headlamp when I'm a deer hunting. If I shoot a deer late in the evening and then I have to go track him, you can't just, you know, barrel through the woods like Rambo when you're tracking a deer. You have to go step by step. And so I wear a headlamp. I don't want to step on evidence of blood and smear it out and lose it. 
because that might be the, the very thing that helps me know I'm on the right trail. And so I have a headlamp. It gives me enough light to see where to put my next step, my next step, my next step. And then a lot of headlamps have a setting where you can turn that. It's like a mag light, and you, you have light for your path. Now, God's Word is both. God's Word gives us enough light so that we can see where to take the next step. The steps of a, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But it's also a mag light that will illuminate the pathway ahead of you. So you have to stay in the light of God's Word. Psalm 130, Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of thy word giveth light. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Simple is not mentally slow. Simple is I haven't narrowed down the path yet. I haven't narrowed it down. I haven't got it all figured out. That's exactly why we have this book. To help us narrow it down. To help us figure it out. But you don't spend any time in it. God's not going <laughs> to... hard to preach and not get excited about truth. I love truth. Boy, truth is truth. When a Christian abandons God, <coughs> when a Christian abandons God's book or deprioritizes it, they place themselves at great risk. A lot of God's people today stumble in the noonday. Excuse me. Stumble at noon? Stumble in the noonday, grope at the wall as if they were blind. I'm not surprised that lost people live that way. It's a shame when saved people live that way. God's word will communicate his will to us. You know, I'm not going <coughs> to take the time or waste the, what words I have left this morning on revisiting my call to preach, but to shorten it way down. When I thought God was calling me to preach, I asked him to confirm it to me from his word. And I can take you to the exact scripture God used to call me to preach. The exact scripture. Well, I just had this feeling. Well, you may lose that feeling real quick. Believe me. You may lose it real quick. You want to be. You need the will of God communicated to you through God's word. Number four is the word confidently. Confidently, they confidently moved ahead in God's will. That's verse number ten. That's the assuredly gathering that the Lord had called for us, us for to preach the gospel unto them. Assuredly gathered. They moved ahead at God's will. Turn in your Bible. Let me show you another trip they made to Macedonia. Look at 2 Corinthians 7. This is just the last verse. I'll give you a little story out. We'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. <coughs> this is a different trip than the one he was writing about <coughs> in Acts 16. I feel sorry for the next guy that uses this microphone. <laughs> I might want to disin disinfect this thing, okay? All right. I don't have COVID. I'm not contagious. I've not had a fever. I just I've got a bacterial infection. All right. Verse 5. Are you there, 2 Corinthians 7, 5? 
For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Aren't they in the will of God? Weren't they living? Weren't they moving ahead in God's will? This was a different time, but they were moving ahead in God's will and obeying God, and it came to them, and their flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. That's God's will. Without were fightings, there was trouble outside, within. My heart was full of fear. That's God's will. Look at the next verse. Nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. What are you saying, brother? I'm saying that moving ahead in God's will is not always going to be met with tranquility and calm. Moving ahead in God's will may be met with fightings without and fears within, but when you know I'm in God's will, nevertheless God will show up and put his stamp of commendation on what you're doing and where you're doing it. He'll do that. He did it for Paul. He'll do it for you. I went to, Mar- to uh, Bourbonnet and preached, and I got the call. And uh, I accepted the call, and we set the date to go. Uh, we set the date that we would be there the first Sunday in June. We just had a few weeks in the school year left, and our kids were enrolled in school. We wanted them to finish the year, and I were there. And so we decided we would move on, on, we would load the trucks on Memorial Day, 1990, and move on Tuesday. And so we got prepared for that. Made a couple of trips out to Bourbonnet and filled the pulpit a couple times and, and to look for a place to live and so forth. So <coughs> the Friday before Memorial Day came, and everything was done, just about packed up at the house. I was at the office. I was packing, just boxing up a few last items that I still had there. This is my last weekend. Everything cleaned out, loading the trucks on Monday. And Brother Brown called a nationally known, if I called his name, I would say that 99% of you would recognize it. man was a nationally known preacher who had been a former pastor at Faith Baptist Church. Brother Brown had called him just to ask if he had any suggestions for somebody to come be on staff in my place. Brother Brown is a high-energy man. He's a very nervous man at times. I'm not criticizing him. That's just his makeup. And I was in the office, and I remember, and I'll never forget, he, he burst into the office. He said, Brother Terry, he said, I have Dr. So-and-so on the phone. And I mentioned to him that you're going to Bourbonnet. And he said he used to pastor that church some years ago. And he wants to talk to you. And I said, okay. He said, I'm going to listen in if you don't care. <laughs> I said, okay. And so I say hello. And Terry, and he'd been to our church. He'd been to Marion Avenue. So I knew him. Not well, but I knew him. I said, Terry, what are you doing? I said, what are you doing? What are you leaving Brother Brown for? What in the world are you doing, man? Don't you know what that church is like out there? Don't you know I tried to do this, tried to do that, they sat down on me, shut down on me, and you're going to go out there and you're going to do, you're going to, you're going to be different? What are you doing? 
I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get out there. You're going to get the church up about 200. They're going to sit down and you do nothing. You're going to waste these years. You could just be staying there with... I mean, he just, he's lamb black. He's just firing away, man. He said, is Brother So-and-so, Jack Lewis, Brother Oswald. He said, is Brother Jack Lewis still there? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, at least you'll have one on your side. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. No, I forget how it ended. But it ended. And then Brother Brown was back in the office. I look. We can figure this all out. You can just stay right here in Washington. I'll tell everybody it was a big mistake. And, and, and you, you'll be fine. Everybody will be happy that you're staying, which is a good thing. It's comforting to know when they'd be happy when you stay rather than happy to see you go. All right? And I, I, so I'm going to tell you what now. Everything is packed. I got two trucks ordered. I've already made some decisions about the church out there. But here I am on the vestibule. And now I'm moving my family out of the will of God. I was sick. I didn't know what to do. And I was supposed to preach the graduation service at Grace Baptist Church in Marion, Brother Ballard, where he is now. He wasn't there then. Another preacher was. And I could not get my mind on the message. I could not get, I could not think. I could not. It was just. And I sat on the platform right next to the preacher, and there was five pastors there for that graduation. They had kind of an open school for other churches. Five pastors. I came that close during the special to turning that over, to turning over to the pastor and saying, Preacher, I can't preach. I was that close. But he was fairly new at the time, and I said, I can't do that. They finished the special. I got up, and it was like a wind from another world. And honestly, I preached that message like I'd never preached it before. And I'm not patting myself on the back. Pastor Brown was one of the pastors there that night. He and Diane had come up and they were leaving the service. And Diane Brown said to him, I have never heard Terry preach like that in 10 years. And he said, you never heard less of Terry than you did tonight. He was right. Nevertheless, God. Nevertheless, God. Had all these fears. What am I doing? Move my family out there. The church is going to sit down. I got one guy in my corner. But brother, after that night, I went through that weekend, reloaded those trucks, and it wasn't easy to say goodbye. But when we pulled out on Tuesday, I was leaving, assuredly gathered that the Lord had called for me to preach the gospel and tell the truth. So I don't know what the Lord's doing in your heart. I know the best place for you to live 
is smack dab in the center of God's will and to know it. And I believe you can through simple process. Praise the Lord. Please tune in again to hear another Maverick message.